All right. Well, everybody take a deep breath this morning. All right. Do you ever feel like you just need to do that? Is there some days where you just need to take a real deep breath? You know, in my life, there's times where I need to do that. It's been one of those mornings where, you know, we started at 8.30 and then we follow that, follow that time with Sunday school right after it. Uh, and then we come in here. And I'm thinking in my mind all the time, all of these things that I need to remember to do. And you know what I did? I went off and forgot the prayer guides in my office, you know. And so it's hard to have 30 days of prayer without a prayer guide, isn't it? And so my wife has been very, very gracious and went and got the prayer guides for us. And I think Brother Kenny later on will be giving those out. If you remember, we are in our 30 days of prayer, or what we're calling 30 days of prayer. And over the last few weeks, we have focused our attention in different areas. The first week, we focused our attention in the area of the church. And we spent each day praying about a specific area of the church. And each day, there were specific requests under those. Uh, last week, or this past week, the finishing of this week, I guess, if you really would say, we've been praying about the family, didn't we? We lifted up uh, our families in prayer, and so I hope that you have been following that guide each and every day. And if you remember, there's five days on that prayer guide, and what we've encouraged you to do on that last day, the sixth day, that you would gather your family together, and you would pray through each one of those on that prayer guide. And then when we come together on Sunday mornings in our morning worship service as well as in our small group Bible study, our Sunday schools, we are going to be praying through each one of those needs. I had the opportunity to sit in Kevin Johnson's class this morning, and he chose different people within his class to focus on each one of those days. Ever how you choose to do that as a Sunday school leader is okay with me. I just want to remind you to be faithful in lifting up those prayers because I'm convinced as God's people, the greatest power we have comes from the bended knee. I am convinced of that. It is our first line of resource when we go to the Lord. And sometimes my concern is, is we kind of make that an afterthought in our life, don't we? But it should be our first thought in our life. Think about it for a moment. We have an opportunity to communicate with the sovereign God of the universe, the God who spoke everything into existence. We have an opportunity to bend his ear, for him to listen to us, for us to have his undivided attention. What a great, I don't know about you, isn't that tremendous? Isn't that a great privilege we've been given where we can just bring ourselves before the Lord? We can be open and transparent before Him. We can just lay our lives before Him and make our requests known to Him. And this is the great thing. God always listens. He always hears and He always responds in His perfect way. You know, I think our greatest struggle in prayer is this. God doesn't always choose to respond in the manner in which we want Him to. Isn't that true? Sure it is. But I would remind you, prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven. Prayer is getting man's will, I mean God's will, done on earth. That is what prayer is. I had a friend tell me one time, you know, that God always answers prayer. I remember questioning that there's been times I've prayed with things that God didn't answer my prayer. I thought about that. But then he said, God always answers prayer. Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says wait. 
Sometimes God says wait. But the great news is this. God always answers prayer. And so I encourage you to go through that prayer guide to be spending time on your face before the Lord, really seeking Him and allowing God just to awaken your spirit. You know, this morning my prayer was, God, oh please God, awaken me from my slumber. Help me to see you for who you truly are, to help you to see you high and lifted up, this God who loves me and cares for me. Well, this week we're going to ask you to pray in the area of community. So on your way out of the worship service this morning at each door, Brother Kenny is going to help me, you will receive a prayer guide for this coming week. Please take that prayer guide, use it in your your prayer time and your quiet time each morning, and then we'll look forward to coming back together next week and gathering around those needs there and praying for them. I appreciate Brother Lance so much this morning for coming and reading and sharing God's Word with us. Uh, I appreciated him. It was 19 verses. I did that on purpose. And the reason I did that was is I don't have to read it now because that is our focal text this morning. Brother Lance spent all of our time reading it for us. And so, uh, you know, that was, that's the good news is that Brother Lance is the one that had the hard job. He had to spend all of the time reading the passage of Scripture this morning. Most of the time I don't choose to preach from 19 verses of Scripture because how in the world can you really do justice to 19 verses in such a short amount of time? Isn't that true? But I'm, I am depending on God that He will lead us and guide us. And the subject that I've chosen today, I believe, is one of great importance for us, no matter what stage of life we find ourselves at. This morning, I want to speak to you about family. More specifically, what I want to do is speak to you about leaving a godly legacy. No matter where you are, what stage of life you're in this morning, I believe this, uh, this passage of Scripture, this sermon has application for all of our lives today. Whether you're at the stage where you're at home and all of your children have grown and left, or whether you find yourself in the same situation I find myself in with three children that are almost in the teenage years, or whether you have small children or maybe you're just getting married or you're dating, wherever it is you find yourself, I believe this message speaks to our hearts and our lives today. And I want to also say this right up front. No matter what you have done as a parent, no matter how you may view the past and your shortcomings in relationship with your children, I want you to know something today. We serve a God who is a forgiving God, and at the foot of the cross we can find forgiveness for any mistakes that we've made in raising our children. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be more than willing to confess this morning, and my children would be glad to tell you I have made many mistakes in raising my children. But the great thing is, is we serve a God of grace. We serve a God who is willing to forgive us when we mess up. He is willing to restore us. And the great thing is, He is a God who gives us second opportunities. So no matter what stage of life you find yourself in this morning, I want to promise you today, you can have a godly influence over your children. You can leave a godly legacy for your children. Your position may look different than my position, and my position may look different than someone else's position, but we all have the same opportunity 
to impact our children's lives, to make a difference in them, to leave behind a godly legacy that our children can wrap their arms around and it will propel them into life to impact the lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have that opportunity to impact our children. Now, I want you to know something. No matter how bad you may have messed up as a parent, maybe your children have not turned out in the manner in which you would desire them to turn out. Let me remind you that the first two children messed up pretty badly as well, and they had a perfect father. Do you remember that in the Garden of Eden? Yeah. They had the, the father that never made any mistakes, who always parented in the right way. He never was angry. He was never upset about anything that they did. And do you know what? His first two children still went wayward, didn't they? Now that ought to encourage us, right? Because at times our children are going to grow up and they're going to make their own decisions in life. They're going to go their own ways. But what I want you to hear me say this morning, there is grace at the cross, there is forgiveness to be found even when we mess up as parents. And God is willing to restore us. God is willing to help us. And if we're willing to commit ourselves unto Him, He will help us to be the godly parents that He desires us to be. So this morning, I want to talk to you about leaving a godly legacy for your children. Leaving a godly legacy for your children. In the book entitled The Old Lamplighter, the author of the book makes this statement. He says you could always tell where the lamplighter had been by the trail that he left behind. You know, that is the same. Nothing less can be said of any of our lives. We all leave a trail behind. We often refer to that trail as what? Our legacy. Everyone leaves a legacy, whether it be good or whether it be bad. So the question I want you to consider this morning, the question I want to ask you today is this, what kind of legacy do you desire to leave for your children? When you're gone from this world and they look back over your life, what will they say about you as parents? What kind of legacy do you desire to leave for your children? We live in a time where the enemy is attacking families from every direction. But I want you to know something this morning. That is not new. That has been happening throughout generations. That has been happening from the very beginning of time. Think about it for a moment. The first family did not turn out very well, did they? They had one son that murdered another son. But I want you to understand something. We live at a time in, in America, in the world, where families are under attack and the enemy realizes something very important. He realizes if he can undermine the family, if he can destroy the family, he will wreak havoc in God's church because the church is built on the foundation of families. On foundation of families. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. It's built upon our families. Listen to me. There is a very real enemy out there. And he has come to kill, steal, and destroy. To wreak habit. And more than anything else, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy your family emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And if we're not on our guard, 
He'll accomplish the task. He will. He will accomplish it. We must remain vigilant. We must remain vigilant. So how do we as parents ensure that we leave a godly legacy for our children? How can we ensure that? Well, I believe the answer to that question is found in the passage of Scripture that Brother Lance read to us a moment ago. These are the words that God spoke through Moses to the children of Israel before they prepared to go into the wilderness. I mean, before they prepared to go into the promised land. He warns them. It's hard to imagine that God would come. This was the promised land, and he warns his children to be aware, to be careful. I want you to listen to what Moses says in verses 1 and 2 of this passage of Scripture. Now, this is the commandment, the statute and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons, by keeping all His statutes and His commandments, which I command you, all the day of your life, in that your days may be long. When I hear the words that Moses spoke to the children of Israel, actually he is speaking to the parents of families, is what he is doing. When I hear these words that Moses spoke, the thing that comes to my mind, what screams at me from this passage of Scripture is this, godly legacy. Did you hear what Moses said in this passage of Scripture? He said, first I speak to you, and then to your sons, and then to your sons' sons. Every generation had been given the responsibility of passing on what God had taught them. To pass on to the children their commands that God had handed down to them through Moses. To pass on to them a godly legacy is what Moses is saying in this passage of Scripture. So when I read this passage of Scripture, the question that comes to my mind is this. How do we do this? Wouldn't it be a lot simpler if children came with an instruction manual? Wouldn't it? There are some days I wish I could have just picked up an instruction manual and said, oh, step one, two, and three, everything's okay now. The problem is, it doesn't usually work that way, does it? But can I tell you this? We have in our hands the greatest instruction manual of all. The Word of God. It's powerful and living and sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the ability to bring about conviction in the hearts and the lives of people an instruction manual that is there to guide us in how to raise our children in a godly manner, how to have a godly family, how to pass on to our children a godly legacy. So how do we do that this morning? Let me answer that question for you today. First, by loving God fervently. The most important requirement for us to leave a godly legacy for our children is for you and I to have a personal relationship with the Lord God. You cannot pass on what you do not possess. Did you hear what I said? 
You cannot pass on what you don't possess in your life. The beginning point for leaving a godly legacy for our family begins with me as a parent knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, having a personal relationship with Him. Listen to what Moses said in this passage of Scripture in verses 4 through 6. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. In these words that I command you shall today be on your hearts. Did you hear what Moses said to them? You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Do you know what Moses is saying in this passage of Scripture? He is saying we are to love God with our total being, is what he's saying. In modern day language, this is the way we would say it. We, are, we would say that we are to be totally and completely devoted to God in all areas of our life. How do we leave a legacy for our children? We leave a legacy for our children by loving God fervently. Now let me say a couple of things about loving God fervently really quick this morning. To love God fervently requires us to know the Lord God through His Word. Let me say that one more time because this is so very important and this is something that is missing in our society today. To love God fervently requires us to know the Lord God through His Word. We don't learn about God through philosophy, mysticism, or subjective feelings. We learn who God is through God's Word. God has clearly revealed Himself to us through the living Word, Jesus Christ, and through the written Word, the Bible. What a person thinks about God isn't near as important as what the Bible says about God. Amen? What you and I feel about God isn't near as important as what God's Word says about Him. How many times have you ever heard someone make the statement, well, I just think God is like this. You ever heard that statement before? I cringe when I hear that because I know someone's going to come up with some ideal of who God is that doesn't match His Word. But if we want to fully understand who God is, it starts by knowing the God of His Word. He has clearly revealed Himself to us through the written Word. To love God fervently requires us to know the Lord God through His Word. You can't know God apart from the Word of God. Number two, to love God fervently requires us to walk with Him at a heart level. Just having a warm, fuzzy feeling about God is not the same as loving and knowing God. Now, I don't want you to leave here this morning and say, well, that preacher says we shouldn't love God. No, please don't do that. You know, I've understood something in, in years and years of preaching. Sometimes people take away from the message whatever it is they want to take away, regardless of what you say. But please don't leave here this morning. That is not what I'm saying. Now, I'm not saying it is wrong to feel love for God, but genuine love for God results in living a life of obedience. If we truly love Him, 
our lives will be characterized by obedience. Listen to me this morning, folks. You cannot separate love and obedience. They go hand in hand with one another. If we truly love God, we will obey God. Now, don't leave here thinking that I'm preaching legalism this morning. That is not what I'm doing. Please hear me. I'm not preaching legalism. But what I want you to understand this morning is because I love God and I desire not to hurt Him, there should be an overwhelming desire in my heart to want to walk in obedience before the Lord. If we are simply obeying out of pride and for show, it's no good. We should obey out of love. Genuine Christianity is knowing God better through His Word and obeying Him more and more each day in our lives. Listen to it one more time, please. You need to get this this morning. Genuine Christianity is knowing God better through His Word and obeying Him more and more each day in our lives. I have a daughter that is a very emotional young lady, which I realize that's true of most ladies, is it not? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's a good thing, right? My wife is a great balance for my life because I'm not always emotional. But she is, and so is my daughter. And sometimes my daughter wants to base everything upon feelings. Even her relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I keep telling her over and over again, you can't base your relationship with Jesus Christ on feelings alone because our emotions run hot and cold. A relationship with Jesus Christ is based in love and obedience. It's based in a commitment to the Lord. The same thing is true in marriage. I can't count the number of times I've heard people come to my office and say to me, well, I just don't feel like I love that person anymore. And I want to jump up and down and scream and say, what in the world does that have to do with it? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I mean? It's not a feeling. We should feel love toward God. That's not what I'm saying. But a true follower of Jesus Christ will desire to obey Him in His walk with Him. Okay, here's how it applies to leaving a godly legacy. Listen, folks. Parents, please hear what I'm going to say. Simply being religious won't do. Children can smell hypocrisy a mile away. We must be walking with God at a heart level out of love. Personally knowing and loving God is the foundation for leaving behind a godly legacy for our children. So let me ask you something this morning, parent. Let me just get real personal with you for a moment. Do you truly know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Now listen to me carefully. Because everything hinges here. I didn't ask if you had been dunked in the water. I didn't ask if your name was on a church membership roll somewhere. I didn't ask if you attended Sunday school and you put money in the offering plate. That's not what I asked you this morning. 
I asked you, do you truly know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? That is the starting point for leaving a godly legacy for our children. We cannot pass on something we do not possess. We must know Jesus Christ at a heart level. Number two, how do we leave a godly legacy for our children? By teaching our children diligently. By teaching our children diligently. Let me ask you something this morning, parent. What is, what is it that you most desire to teach your children? I fear that we, what we have done is sent mixed signals to our children. With our mouths, we tell them what's most important in life is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we put all of our energies and all of our time in trying to make them the best ball player, the best hunter, the best fisherman, the best shopper, and the list could go on and on. And when we do that, we send a very loud and clear message to our children that that is what's most important in life. Moses said in verse 7, teach your children diligently the things of God. The unique thing about this passage of Scripture is the children of Israel took verses 7 through 9 literally. So you know what they did? They wrote the Word of God, verses 4 through 6, on pieces of paper, and they built little wooden boxes, and they put those in the wooden boxes, and they attached them to the wrist, and they attached them to their forehead. I think they completely misunderstood what God was saying. Do you know what I think God was saying when He said we should teach our children diligently? When we're walking, when we're sitting, when we're standing, when we're, whatever it is we're doing, we should be teaching them the Word of God. Do you know what I think He was saying? We need to make the most of every single opportunity that He has given us to make Christ known, to share with them the Word of God, to teach them the truths, the principles, and the commands of God's Word. The next two statements that I'll make is probably going to be shocking to some of you. But I want you to listen to me very, very carefully this morning. First, it is not the responsibility of the church to raise your child in the admonition of the Lord. That was given to parents. Number two, Bringing your child to church once a week or twice a week, I mean twice a month or four times a month, is not raising your child in the admonition of the Lord. The church should simply reinforce what is being taught in the home. Isn't that true? Amen. Nowhere are we ever told the church should raise the children in the admonition of the Lord. That responsibility has been given to us as parents. Us as parents. As godly parents, we need to build an altar in our homes. Not a physical altar, but a spiritual altar where daily we can gather our family for times of reading God's Word and praying together. Listen to me very carefully this morning, uh, uh, parents. If you are too busy to do that, you are too busy. You're too busy. 
Think about it. Where is the starting point for leaving a godly legacy? Love God fervently. Do you see what I'm saying? Love God fervently. To leave a godly legacy for our children, we need to love God fervently, teach children diligently, and get this one, this was important, and live in the world carefully. Say it again. To live in the world carefully. In verses 10 through 19, Moses warns us that the children of Israel, or warns the children of Israel the spiritual dangers they will face when they go into the promised land. There was only one problem. The children of Israel failed to hear what it was that God said to them. Now listen, if we are not careful, it is easy for us to be like the children of Israel, to drift into the ways of the world. This morning, I believe that what Moses does is he offers us two safeguards in this passage of Scripture that will help us to navigate the world that we live in. Let me share them with you this morning. First, as parents, we need to watch ourselves continually. Listen to what Paul says here in verse 12. Read with me there in the text. Then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. There is a warning in this passage of Scripture. Moses warns the children of Israel, be careful, wake up. Don't miss what can happen when you go into the promised land. What was he warning them against? He was warning them against chasing after the gods of their neighbor, worshiping idols. Now, it would be easy to look at this warning and say, this is a good word, but, does this, really apply, but this doesn't really apply to me. Pastor, I'm not worshiping any idols in my home. But is that really true? What about the idol of affluence? It's easy to drift into worshiping the God of affluence rather than managing the resources that God has entrusted you in light of His kingdom. What about the idol of self? When we live to please self rather than living to please the one true living God, that is the worship of self. Uh-oh. What about the idol of sports? I've opened up a can of worms, haven't I? Really? Listen to what Jim Eliff said in his book, When Ball Becomes Bail. He said, many Christian families have made sports the household God. It controls them. They order their schedules around it. If the kids' sport teams play on Sunday, the family skips worship. After all, the team needs all the players. Let me ask you a question. When we make choices like that as parents, what does that say about our priorities? There's a recent study that has been released. It is quite eye-opening. There is a great concern about the number of young people that are leaving the church. They're leaving in groves and they're never returning to come back. And so as a result, some people got together and they did a study. And what they learned is amazing. 
One of the number one reasons that young people are leaving the church is inconsistencies they've seen in their parents' lives. Their parents spoke one thing and they lived something else through their actions. Amen? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, when we live our lives that way, it is, we are da- in danger of drifting into the things of the world. The things of the world. Now listen to me, folks. I know that I'm preaching at you this morning, but as I preach at you this morning, I'm preaching to myself as well. I fall into some of the same dangers. I buy into the lies of the enemy that somehow I'm withholding something from my child if I don't allow them to go out and participate in sports and activities on Sunday. And I will tell you, that is a lie from the pit. It is. And what we've done is we have bought into that lie, hook, line, and sinker. And when you look at American society today, no wonder we're in the condition we're in today. Isn't it true? What have we taught our children? We've taught them that the idols of the world are more important than the one true living God is what we've said to them. We need to chase them wholeheartedly. What about the idol of children? Oh, wow. Yeah. Let me illustrate it this way. At the very center of our family should be the Lord God, and everything we do in life should revolve around Him. However, what I have noticed is this. At the very center of the family is children, and everything revolves around them. And when there is enough time, we will inject a little of God into our families. The idol of children. Now listen, do you know what Moses says here? He warns them. He says, oh, watch yourself lest you fall in, unless you are pulled away by the trappings of the world. There is a danger there, folks, that we can be lulled to sleep. The second safeguard is this, focus on pleasing God. If we're going to live carefully in the world, we need to watch ourselves continually as parents. And second, we need to focus on pleasing God. Listen to what he says in verse 18. Verse 18. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give you to your fathers. Let me ask you a question this morning. I'm just going to ask it, okay? Do you really believe that God has your best interest and your family's best interest at heart? Do we really believe that? Do we? Are we willing to do what God's Word says? Every aspect of life, your thoughts, your attitudes, your words, your deeds, your schedule, your possessions, must be lived with a view toward pleasing the Lord. Your goal is to teach your children to please God with all their lives. Can I ask you a question? What is your number one goal for your children? I have prayed 
and I've asked and I've pleaded with God, and I hope you do as parents as well, that my number one goal for my children would to be godly adults, not to chase and pursue the things of the world, but to love God passionately with a reckless abandonment. That is my desire for my children. I hope it is yours as well. This morning as I conclude, leaving a godly legacy, do solid Christian homes really make a difference? In 1900, a man studied the descendants of Jonathan and Sarah Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was the New England revival preacher, theologian and president of Princeton University. He was a great man of God who was used in an instrumental way to help bring about the first great awakening that took place in America. This is what the man learned. Listen to it carefully. 150 years after his death, over 100 of Jonathan Edwards' descendants had become ministers, missionaries, and theological professionals. 100 of them had become ministers, missionaries, and theological professors. I would say Christians' homes have a tremendous impact in the lives of our children. And the question we must ask ourselves this morning is what legacy do we desire to leave for our children? Please hear me say this morning, it doesn't matter where you are in your relationship with the Lord. It doesn't matter if your children have gone from home. It is never, ever too late to start. It is never too late to start. What our children need to see of us more than anything else is an abandonment to the Lord Jesus Christ above everything else this world has to offer. To love Him passionately and not give in to the ways of the world. We need to love God fervently. We need to teach our children diligently. And we need to live in the world carefully. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and the truth of it and the way it speaks to our hearts. Father, as we enter into this time of invitation, I pray each one of us would search our hearts and our lives. Lord, that we would make the commitment to leave behind a godly legacy for our children. Father, my belief is the hope of America is Jesus Christ. And the only way the world will see Jesus is not by us being like the world, but by us being different than the world. Challenge us in your word this morning, Lord. Work in our hearts and our lives. Draw us unto you that we might make whatever decision we need to make this morning so that you can have your way and your will in our lives. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name.
Amen.